Hello, subscribers. This is Joan DeMartin, author of Crime and Punishment, Why the Poor Stay Poor in America. The title of today's post is, Are For-Profit Health Insurance Providers Denying You Federally Funded Health Care? In short, the answer is yes. I'd like to put in a little plug first here. Uh, although this post goes out to both free and paid subscribers, if you are not already a paid subscriber, why not take this opportunity to upgrade to paid right here and now? Thank you so much in advance. And there's a little upgrade to paid button you can click right here. Anyway, I am going to start this post as I usually do with a quote, and this is from the New York Times from just last week. Quote, private health insurance companies paid by Medicaid denied millions of requests for care for low-income Americans with little oversight from federal and state authorities, according to a new report by U.S. investigators. Generally, I am against what is broadly called privatization. And here's a definition of privatization from the National Library of Medicine. Quote, privatization is the transfer of decision-making authority, delivery, or financing from a public to a private entity. Such shifts may occur by directly contracting out services to the private sector or may result indirectly from other arrangements, including partnerships with private sector entities and introducing competitive forces into government services. Regardless of whether the private partner is nonprofit or for-profit, the consistent feature is that control of service delivery may shift to the private sector." End quote. There is an underlying concept that is not borne out by evidence produced by economists and other researchers, that the private sector is somehow more efficient both in getting the job done and minimizing the cost of doing so. There are significant kinks, admittedly, red tape, if you want to call it that, in government delivering services to its citizens but it doesn't compare to the cost-saving measures that private companies will employ to make a larger profit. And this includes denying sometimes medically necessary health care to our most vulnerable citizens, those poor enough to qualify for Medicaid or those old and poor enough to qualify for a combined Medicare-Medicaid plan. What is most appalling about this scenario is that private health insurance companies like Aetna, Elevance Health, Molina Healthcare, and United Healthcare, which are specifically named in the New York Times article for particularly high denial rates for medical services, deny medical care to those on Medicaid at higher rates than those who are only on Medicare. And here's a quote from that same New York Times article. Uh, quote, while the current report did not look at whether the Medicaid denials were valid, the investigators emphasized the insurers were much more aggressive in refusing to authorize care under Medicaid than under Medicare, the federal program for the elderly and disabled, end quote. 
In other words, for-profit health insurance companies appear to be picking on the poorest citizens to make a profit. Do these companies think there is less of a chance people with low incomes will challenge their decisions? Maybe the poor are less savvy about their appeal rights, or maybe just not as smart as those who earn enough to keep above the poverty line. Whatever it is, they do appear to be targeting poor people. Although there are several factors that contributed to the trend toward privatization of government service services in the last few decades, President Reagan's early 1980s mantra against big government accelerated the push as a way to cut government spending. And this is a quote from the Harvard Business Review written in 1991. Quote, privatization was a central piece of the Reagan administration's efforts to reduce the size of government and balance the budget. End quote. And I've included a YouTube video of former President Reagan speaking those exact words. Government is not a solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Well, I beg to differ, and so do an increasing number of scholars, scientists, and elected officials. During the pandemic, with the influx of government programs and money to implement them, including the American Rescue Plan Act, passed in March 2021, which pumped $1.9 trillion into the economy, those studying public policy and the majority of the American people saw the immediate benefits of direct financial aid from the federal government. The trend of direct government investment to improve the lives of its citizens, others may call it big government, deficit or wasteful spending, or even laughably communism and or socialism, continued with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act in 2022, which directed an additional $1.2 trillion over 10 years in investments in renewable energy, including tax credits, stepped up IRS enforcement, and upgraded infrastructure, among other needed programs, with an expected return, though, of $739 billion from increased taxes and other revenue-generating measures. Currently, in the United States, Medicaid covers approximately 87 million people. And um, providing a chart here that's courtesy of the Kaiser Family Foundation from June of this year. And this is how the Medicaid coverage breaks down in our country. One in six adults ages 19 to 64 are covered by Medicaid. So are two in five children, five in eight nursing home residents, one in six Medicare beneficiaries, and one in three people with disabilities. Yet, in a Kaiser Foundation family survey from 2023, nearly 60% of insured adults questioned reported problems with their health insurance plans, including unexpected costs and denial of coverage. As a result, many insured adults went without medical care, 
and most importantly, 15% reported a decline in their overall health. Private insurers which contract with state Medicare and Medicaid to provide health insurance are subject to both their contractual agreements with the state and federal, uh, both their contractual agreements with the state and federal regulations, but it appears there should be more direct oversight of compliance. I can tell you from firsthand experience, at least some private health insurers simply do not comply with the requirements of their state contracts and or federal and state law. And as to efficiency and cost savings, private for-profit health insurance companies do not contract with the state for free. Collectively, they are paid billions of taxpayer dollars to stand between government-funded medical care and you and to make additional profit by cutting costs, accomplished in part by denying medical coverage. Although this view is increasingly questioned, it seems that many federal and state elected officials buy into the idea that a little regulated free market driven by for-profit companies even for the delivery of government-subsidized health care, is the way to govern, way to keep government lean and mean. This profit motive, though, should have no part in the delivery of government-subsidized health care, which is considered a right in every other industrialized wealthy country on earth. So why is this method our accepted public policy? The takeaways from our rush toward privatization are more questions than answers. First, is privatization in fact more efficient and less costly, and does the profit motive actually hurt the delivery of quality government services to the most people? And second, does privatization of essential government services erode the public trust and the very notion of our government working to serve its citizens and the common good. And that last one is really important to me, I think, uh, and to you. But I'll let you answer these questions and many others, you and any others you feel like discussing. Have any of you on Medicaid, Medicare, or private insurance had to fight with your insurance company over costs or coverage? I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments section below. And, as always, if you are not already a subscriber, why not take this opportunity to join our community with a free or paid subscription? A new paid subscription or an upgrade from a free-to-paid subscription will allow me to expand this newsletter with additional primary source information, like interviews and public information requests, and expanded podcast offerings to include real live guests, and I am currently working on all of these. Although I won't be going on strike anytime soon, the current TV writer's strike demonstrates that writers deserve to be paid and paid well for their work, just like any other profession. Thank you in advance for your financial support of my writing. And don't forget, Crime and Punishment, Why the Poor Stay Poor in America is a reader-supported publication. To receive new posts and support my work, consider becoming a free or paid subscriber. And don't forget to read some of the footnotes I put 
it at the very end of this post. As always, thank you for listening and reading. I'll see you next time on Crime and Punishment, Why the Poor Stay Poor in America.